This is a Faith FM podcast. The following program contains mature themes. It refers to drug use and self-harm. Parental guidance is recommended. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Hello there, and thanks again for joining once again. I'm Robbie Bergen, and you're listening to The Faith Experiment. And this is episode number 41 of The Faith Experiment, and I'm calling this episode Candace's Story. Now, on this episode, I have a great book to give away. This is a fantastic book. You do not want to miss getting this book. This book is called The Great Controversy. Now, this is one of the greatest books, I believe, that was ever written other than the Bible because this book does something fantastic. It takes us all the way back in history, down to the present and into the future and shows us what is really taking place behind the scenes. And it helps pull back the curtain on what it calls the war between Christ and Satan. It really does give us a supernatural insight to what we would call history and prophecy. You're going to absolutely want to read this book. So, to get this book, you're going to need to text the code word that you're going to get during the show. You're going to text that code word to 04888 That's the Faith Experiment number. Here it is again, 04888 45311. So save that number in your phone, 04888 and wait for today's code word. Well, I love hearing from you on the Faith Experiment, and I'd love to hear from you again today. Where are you listening to The Faith Experiment right now? I would love to know. What part of this great country or this great planet are you listening from? And by the way, while you're at it, let me know how you're listening. Are you listening on air, on the app, on the website, or on a podcast? Love to hear from you today. Let me know by texting on 04888 or you can email me on robbie at faithfm.com.au. Now, if you are joining me for the first time, this show, The Faith Experiment, is all about putting faith into practice. It's about experimenting with faith. And on today's episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. I've got a very, very special guest on this show. And you would uh, probably notice by today's title that today we're going to be talking to Candace. Candace is going to be sharing with us her faith experiment story. Now, who's Candace? Well, if you've listened to The Faith Experiment, for any time, you would know, or maybe you remember, that Candace is my sister. Candace is my sister, the sister who uh, I mentioned in the way I went from a non-believer to a faith experiment. Candace also went through a similar journey. And finally, today is the day that I have managed to uh, get her onto the show to share her story of how she became a faith experimenter. So I'm looking forward to it. I know uh, I, I know I've had many requests from you asking to hear Candice's story, and so today it's finally happened. Now, if you've missed any of the previous episodes and you want to catch up with some of the details, you can go ahead and get the Faith FM app from your app store, or go to faithfm.com.au and look under the podcasting section for the Faith Experiment. Well, Candice, I think I have you on the line now. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Wow, this is uh, this is history making right now. We have been trying <laughs> for such a long time to make yeah. time to get together and to do this particular episode. I'm excited. How about you? Oh, so excited! It has been a while in you know coming, but we're here. So let's get into it. So where do we start? Where do we start, Candice? How do we how do we introduce this the background to your faith experiment? Yeah, it's a tough one because I think, you know, we have to start at the beginning. <laughs> and the beginning of where I started to experiment with faith was back when I was uh, 20 years old. 
And so, you know, at that time, everything was going really well for me. You know, all of my friends and family, everyone who looked at me would have just assumed, wow, she's got it all. You know, Absol- Absolutely. I mean, we, we looked at you and you are so talented. You're going to be modest about it, but you are talented. <laughs> you you were an artist. You had your artwork on display in Queensland. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a painter. You, you did um, sculpturing. You were in the drama classes. You were a singer. I mean, you, you're extremely talented. But what was it like when you left that, that sort of safety net of school? What happened after that? So when I left school, I... I had a boyfriend who was six years older than me and that's kind of where things, you know, started to get interesting. And, um, yeah, I moved out of home before I turned 18, so I was still only 17. And um, as you remember, mum and dad didn't really see eye to eye with my boyfriend. <laughs> I remember that, I remember um, them chasing him. <laughs> yes, I remember that. When you only had a few 50 cups. But, mm. yeah, and, of course, when you're that age, you think that you know everything. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I left home early and I moved out with him and, you know, I started life a lot earlier than the average person. Um, I wasn't able to go to uni because I had to start working to, you know, pay rent and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I got pushed into the workforce pretty early and I didn't get to go along the uni route that I had planned to, um, not at that time. And, yeah, I just started living life and working and it wasn't long before I started getting into managerial positions. So before I was 18, I was actually managing businesses, which was really quite a good achievement at that age. I remember you you were you sort of always been – now, for those who don't know Candice or me that well – I'm I'm the introvert and Cancer's the extrovert. That's how sort of our genetics got split up between us. And uh, you've you've always had sort of that bubbly personality, and you, you make mm-hmm. friends easily. And yeah, you've worked in the hospitality industry, and you you yeah you went straight to the top really quickly. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, didn't you you won awards and things for managing um, cafes and restaurants and stuff? Didn't you go to New Zealand or something as well? Absolutely. I mean, one of the perks was that there was a, a yearly conference with one of the businesses that I was managing, and the owners weren't able to attend. So they sent me in their place. And out of that, so um, for the franchise that I was managing, we actually won three awards that year and I was able to receive them all myself on behalf of the owner. I got to fly first class. I was living it up in the Sheridan for a whole week and got to meet a lot of um, amazing entrepreneurs and other um, businessmen and women. And, yeah, we actually won Most Improved Store and that was under my management. And we also won um, the highest intake um, for our little store out of the whole of Australia. So that was pretty amazing. Now, we, and, we, um, we can't mention the name of this store for obvious reasons, no. but this, <laughs> everybody knows this store. Everybody yes. knows this chain. They're a national Everyone's chain. Yeah. Yes. And you, you, uh, yeah, you, you were a shining star. Like how, how did that impact your life? Like were you happy? Were you, and you had money? How were you like outside of the public space where people are looking at you when you're at home by yourself? How are you at that point in your life? Yeah, so I mean, I my work was fantastic and I was earning big bucks for my age and yeah, I kind of had everything that, you know, you would kind of want at that age and um, it was great, but a few different things were happening in my own personal life. So in my home life, you know, I was living out of home and I was in a relationship and, you know, that relationship started to break down and it was kind of a nasty um, end. And, you know, things started to sort of catapult and one thing after another and believe it or not, even in with all of my experience and with all the awards that I'd won, I actually ended up losing my job. 
And so just one thing after another kind of all happened at once. And before you know it, my life was really in a, a really tight spot and I had a lot of decisions to make. And it was, um, yeah, it wasn't a fun place to be in at the time. Yeah, I, I mean, you and I, we we were pretty tight up until when you left school and, and uh, moved out of home and all that sort of stuff. And then we sort of mm-hmm. were very sort of almost, not distant intentionally, but just like we we just didn't see each other for a, quite a period yeah. of time. And I guess mm-hmm. even for me, some of this stuff is, is new to me. Like I, I don't know all the details of the little things that happened all in that time, but I just mm-hmm. I remember, you know, the times we did catch up because we both got engaged around the same time. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we did hang out a little bit here and there. And uh, from the outside, everything was going so well for you. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you thought the same about me. But I know all these years later we talk and, and you know, we, we weren't doing really well internally, were we? No, that's it. And, I mean, you can put on the facade. I always had the happy-go-lucky, outgoing um, appearance. And so, you know, no one did know. Even you guys didn't really know what was going on. Mm. And I think, you know, in all of our lives, we all have that facade that we put on to everyone, even to our own family and friends and loved ones. But inside, you know, we're really in turmoil and we deal with it in different ways. And so, yeah, for me, I mean, I started dealing with it. um, I was kind of searching for something that I was missing and something to try and make me happy or something just to kind of numb the pain. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I, no one knew, but I was really sort of heading down a dark alley. Yeah, I mean, I, I had no idea. Even back then I had no – I mean, I, I knew you were a party girl. I mean, I know you loved the yeah. techno scene, the raves, all that stuff, but yeah. I, I had no idea that you were in as deep as you were in terms of mm-hmm. like, the drug scene and all that sort of stuff. But I guess it goes with the territory, right? Yeah, it does. And I mean, you don't ever plan for that to happen. You know, you're just one of these happy, like young people who just want to go out and have fun, you know, listen to some music and do a bit of dancing. But, you know, you do get caught up with sort of the scene. You, you make friends with people who are doing drugs. And then, of course, you know, um, most people will try it. And then if you start, you know, getting a real liking for it, and if you're hanging around people who are dealing, which is what I was doing, I mean, my best friends were drug dealers. Mm. It wasn't long before I decided, you know what, I can totally support my own habit if I deal drugs as well. So <laughs> I started dealing drugs just so I could get free drugs. And and, and, um, and just for people listening to this, you, you weren't those shady sort of dealers, you know, like you, you sort of see in the movies where they're walking around with trench coats and stuff. I mean, right. you guys were like professionals. You were like high flyers. You were exciting people to be around. You weren't like, you know, miserable goths or no, anything like that, you know? Nothing. No, not at all. In fact, we were kind of really good advertisements to come and join the party. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and like I've sat in drug deals in, um, you know, five star hotels and we're talking about like $10,000 worth of drugs and you're sitting there with the bikies. I mean, that's scary. Yeah, for <laughs> and sure. you don't want to be, you don't want to be in debt with those kind of guys, let me tell you. But yeah, that's how, that's how high flying we were with that drug scene. And then I was selling quite a lot myself and then, you know, just being able to support my own habit. But yeah, and that's, and that's really why I ended up losing my job because I was, I became an addict and I could only work if I was continually high. I would never let myself come down. And so I actually, um, yeah, lost my job because of the drug use, which is a real shame. And that, that's something that happens. You, you read about that a lot. I mean, before I entered this faith experiment thing, I, you know, you didn't think twice about, um, the impact of, psychology and the mental health, you know, all that sort of stuff. You don't really think of that. But, you know, now all these years later and being so, you know, aware of the interconnection between what we call the body, the mind and the soul, that whole relationship, interconnected relationship, Mm -hmm. it really is – we see it all the time now, right? Like we see people who start off in this path of 
they're missing something, they feel like something's not right yeah. in their life, and they, they, they start reaching for things. And most for many people, those things they reach for is something that becomes an addiction. Absolutely. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, people are just trying to find something that they know they do not have. And they will try and plug that gap, that hole with anything. You know, some things might not even necessarily be bad or seem bad, but at the end of the day, it's just a substitute, isn't it? Mm. And I mean, you know, it was for, for me and my friends and my other drug dealer friends, you know, we were we were all, we all had things in our life. Like we were out partying all the time. We were happy. We were laughing. You'd never see us upset or depressed or suicidal or anything like that. But really all of us were missing something and that's why we did it. We were just trying to like hide the, the feelings, all those thoughts. You know, when you're continually kept active and busy, you don't have time to sit and think. <laughs> you don't have time to, to really like address the problems that you're going through. You know, it's just a band aid really. Yes. Yeah, and it can become very volatile as well because you get to the point where you don't ever want to come down and have to face reality. And so, you know, you keep yourself in this same um, sort of high altered state where you don't have to think and you don't have to feel. And that's kind of how you deal with life. You know, me and all of my friends, we were all, you know, in high positions of trust and authority. We were all managers. You know, we were not the typical kind of people who seem like they're addicted. So we were not, you know, Centrelink recipients or people who did not have a job or were no hopers. You know, we actually were at the top. And that's a misconception that a lot of people have when it comes to people with addiction. They often think it's just the down and outs, but absolutely not. In fact, the majority of the people in the higher positions and able to deal with their stress and cope with life and even, you know, to have that artistic, um, you know, enhancement, they often take these kind of drugs to help them just get through life. Well, Candice, it's fascinating so far. We need to take a short break now. But when we come back, we're going to continue delving into your story of how it went from this to a faith experiment. Coming up is the co-word for today's giveaway. Right now, we've got something different this time. Now it's time for a song. And um, this song is one of your songs, Cans. You wrote this song. And you you sung the song too. I did. (laughs) Do you want to introduce the song real quick? Yeah, sure. So this song is called Jesus. And this song is about when we look at what Jesus has done for us, how can we not give him everything in response to that? So the song is about, you know, giving God your whole heart, giving him everything because he did everything for us.
This is The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Listen live or listen later. Get the Faith FM app from your app store today. Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm your host, Robbie Bergen, and that was Candace, funny enough, with her own song that she wrote and performed called Jesus. And this is episode 41 of The Faith Experiment, and I'm calling this episode Candace's Story. And coming up is the co-word for today's free offer, so make sure you stick around. Well, on this episode, as the title suggests, this is about Candace's story. It's her faith experiment. And Candace, if you don't know, she is my little sister. So before the break, Candace, you were sharing the sort of the foundation of where your story pivots. And um, we were talking about how, you know, at, in school you were extremely talented in the art space, the music, visual dramas and all that sort of stuff you found yourself um in a relationship by the time you were 18 you had um you know, started a, your own sort of life you were living away from home um, but you were doing very well for yourself you were running a whole range of uh, hospitality sort of companies and restaurants and cafes and things and you're winning awards all over the countryside and you were living sort of a high flyer sort of life but there was something missing let's pick it up there yeah so i mean to everyone around me, I looked like I had it all. And, you know, in some ways I did. And yet um, we've mentioned before that even those of us who look happy and feel like, you know, we we sort of put on that good facade to the whole world, you know, it's a whole different story when you're by yourself, when you're with your own thoughts and when you've got to deal with life because life is tough. Absolutely. <laughs> and, um you know, we all go through different things and sometimes we are in situations where everything kind of breaks down. And even though I had an amazing job and I was, you know, living the high life and doing all these amazing things with my life, um, things started to unravel and they all kind of happened at once, you know, to really test you. And so I ended up losing my job um, and I ended up breaking up with my fiancé. And these two massive um, events that took place really catapulted me into a bit of a, a downward spiral. Mm. And it, it wasn't nice. You know, I didn't let on to everyone around me, you know, what I was really dealing with, but I felt like I kind of lost everything. You know, um, I started drug dealing to sort of, you know, make money and also to cover my own drug addictions. I started trying to, to fill that emptiness and the hurt and the pain and trying to numb it with, 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 yeah, substances. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I got into some pretty heavy things and they were um, really getting to the point in my life where I couldn't live without them. And unless I was continually high, um, life just was really not worth living. So, you know, yeah, it's, it got pretty bad. It's, it's even now, all these years later, and, and knowing how much your life has changed, it's so hard um, to hear some of this stuff you know, as your brother because, you know, you think, you think as family – you kind of you know everything about each other, you know, like you're all yeah. you're all the family, you're you're there, you got each other's backs, all that sort of stuff. But the reality is, and I, I don't think we're an exception to the rule here. I think the reality is is that in families right across Australia, mm-hmm. there is there's struggle, right? There's there's individual yeah. pain, there's walls, there's hurt, and and I think it's a it's a good reminder just for anybody out there. Just to check in with your family, your family members, you know, have a, yeah. just say, you know, how you're doing in your life, you know, I, I care, I want to know because I, I look back with so many regrets in our, in our family, like my, like mum and dad, um, our yeah. brother, 
uh, you and me. Like, there's so many opportunities, missed opportunities where we could have just checked in each other, phone call, a text, yeah. you know, and now there's so many ways to connect with people. We didn't have half the technology back then. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, you know, you're saying you hit all these, these, what I would call, you know, heavy, heavy, heavy sort of end of the spectrum of addictions. Yeah. Um, you're functioning. You're not, you're not the, uh, as you said, not the typical, um, Hollywood version of an addict. So set the context, right? In terms of time, we are, we're just before September yeah. 11, 2001. You, you shared with me before about the Grand Prix and the, the mm. events that sort of were leading up to that. Set the context for that. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, just a, about a month before September 11 happened. Um, this is when, you know, my fiance and I broke up and, you know, I had to move out of our apartment that we had together. You know, we had savings, but he took the money and which was, he was totally, you know, right to do. But I basically ended up with nothing. I just lost my job within a few days of us breaking up. Um, and so everything kind of, yeah, I, I, I came to all these roadblocks all at once. So I lost the fiance. I didn't have anywhere to live, lost my job, lost all my savings. And I was basically left with nothing. And I, you know, I had to, as you know, move home to mum and dad's. And not that I would spend much time there because I just started to really, I mean, I was already doing drugs before this time, but I really just got into it full time because, hey, I didn't have to work anymore. So, um, yeah, I was dealing and, and just partying, you know, like three, four nights a week, like all nighters. And, you know, you just, I remember there were weeks where I didn't even sleep for a whole week or where I'd have like one meal for the whole week. And, um, you know, I was just trying to sort of numb all the pain and everything. I didn't want to face life and I didn't want to have to make those big life decisions. So I just thought, let's just numb it and let's just have fun, you know. Mm. Um, so this was all very close, like within weeks leading up to September 11. Now, one of my um, dear friends who was actually a drug dealer colleague of mine, we we hit it off really well. And, you know, he was also going through some difficult times in his experience. And he had just found out he had a 20-year-old son and all these crazy things were happening to him and his work life. And basically, we got to the point together, you know, in our drug-induced state, we made a pact. And this is the craziest thing. I can't believe I even did this, but I did it. Mm. You know, we decided um, that we that life was not really worth living. And even though up until this point, I'd already had two drug overdoses, accidental ones, okay? And um, it's easy to do, especially when you're mixing all those kind of cocktails. And basically, um, we made the decision that on Grand Prix weekend, which was a huge thing that happens on the Gold Coast, obviously hasn't happened recently, but this was like in the rave scene, it was the biggest clubbing event of the year so this was like our christmas okay and so everyone would go we had the best djs international djs coming over and we used to go and just party to the max. and so what we decided to do was to actually go to that um to the grand prix itself you know and then spend the weekend like living that we were always staying in like you know the penthouse suites you know we always did everything to the max and we were we were planning that we were just you know life was not worth living there were too many complications there was too many things to have to face it was easier just to end it but to end it on our own terms so we actually made a suicide pact for that last day of the grand prix man. we're going to go out and intentionally commit suicide with drug overdose man that that yeah. that's that's heavy duty mm-hmm. i mean that's the thing right like when when life when when things go wrong it never happens one at a time with enough no. breathing space between it. It sort of, right. it just happens all at once, right? It always comes all at once and it can feel overwhelming. Yes. And, you know, what's interesting is, is that, you know, there's an old saying that misery loves company. Yes. And whenever you're at your lowest, 
it's really bizarre how that there's always someone around you who's just as low to make sure that we don't come back up. We don't come back up for air. And that's exactly what you're describing here. You know, at the wrong, wrong time, well, I was going to say the right time, but at the wrong time, mm-hmm. a person comes along and connects on the same, you know, downward spiraling thing. And yeah. this is, this is where decisions are made that cannot be unmade. That's it. And how many times, and I've had friends who have died from drug overdoses, and I've had friends who have made poor decisions and it's ended up, you know, costing their life. And to think that you can get to that point, to think that I got to that point mm. where I thought it was a good idea. <laughs> I mean, it, it's hard to imagine, but, you know, when everything is so dark and when you feel like you've got no prospect for the future and where the future seems very grim, you know, you can understand why people do make these decisions. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure the people right now who are listening to your story and they can resonate with the overwhelming amount of bad circumstances, situations, Mm -hmm. news that's just piling up. I mean, especially now, I mean, the the pandemic thing is such a bizarre thing, right? For some people, it's like it doesn't even exist. Other people, it's like it's the end of the world. They've lost loved ones and so on. Some people lost their jobs. Others are you know, they're going on holidays around the country because they can't go anywhere else. It's a weird mm-hmm. time to be living in, but there are people that are, are getting into circumstances where everything is negative, mm-hmm. um, like you're describing. And I'm sure there are people out there that are having these same thoughts as well. I would yeah. like you to tell the listeners after the break mm-hmm. how it all turned around for you because you are not in the same place that you were at that point now. No Something's changed. And mm-hmm. I know that people are listening and they want to hear... Um, what the change was. And we'll pick it up after the break. Because unfortunately, it's time to take a short break now. And when we come back, we're going to continue on with Candace's story. And she's going to share the moment, the pivotal moment, that changed the trajectory of what looked like a really dark outcome in her story.
to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm your host, Robbie Bergen, and that was Whatever It Takes by, you guessed it, Candice. Candice, you wrote that song and are obviously performing the song. What was the inspiration behind that song, Whatever It Takes? You know, this song is all about endurance. It's about once you find God, once you have an experiment with Him, once you realize that He's real, that whatever you're faced with here in this world, all those bad things that even people maybe are feeling right now, those things where it feels overwhelming and you just can't keep going on, just keep persevering because Jesus says in the Bible that those who endure to the end, He will save. And so this song is about enduring whatever we face with, whatever trials come our way, just keep holding on to Jesus because he'll carry us through. That's, uh, yeah, that's an awesome thought, and it's a real thought that can be put into practice. Well, this is episode 41 of The Faith Experiment, and we're calling this episode Candace's Story because it's Candace's Faith Experiment Story. And coming up is the co-word, so make sure you stick around. So before the break, Candace, you were sharing how that, uh, yeah, look, it was it was pretty, pretty dark times for you. Um, everything was coming at once. Uh, you lost your job, your relationship, your house, your your savings. Everything was pretty bleak. And uh, along comes at the right time, which is the wrong time, um, someone who was in similar circumstances. And the two of you, you just you just shared before the break, the two of you had made, I guess you call it a death pack? Yeah, suicide pact. That uh, on the last day of the Grand Prix there on the Gold Coast, um, I guess that was 2001, I think it mm-hmm. was, yeah. you, you guys were planning to, yeah, I mean, th- this... This is really, really heavy stuff. Now, I'm just so happy that in 2022, 20 years later, pretty much, mm. I'm sitting here talking to you about a faith experiment. Yes. Something. Me too. <laughs> something's happened. Something happened. Mm. There was a pivotal point that disrupted that plan. Yes. 
Tell me about it. Yes. It all happened around the time of September 11th. So, you know, I've lost my job. Uh, my fiance and I had broken up. I'd lost my house. All these things had happened. I'd made this suicide pact. And then there was a, about a week or two before this suicide pact was going to take place. And I was still going out partying because, hey, <laughs> I could do it full time now. So I remember one night I was heading out, you know, all dolled up. I was always a ringleader. I'd pulled a whole bunch of other friends along with me and we were all going to go out and just live it up. There was a really um, big DJ coming to Brizzy. And so we were heading to the valley. And as I was walking out the door, something caught my eye. In fact, it was a breaking news showing the twin tower, the first tower coming down September 11. So I stopped and obviously I was already high. So I didn't know if I was tripping, if I was seeing something or if this was legit. And so I was asking my friend, I'm like, are you seeing this? Like, is this really happening? Am I seeing towers come down? Like the might of America is being destroyed in front of my eyes. Is this really happening? And we were all just shocked. We were dumbfounded. And so I said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm sitting here. I've got to see what's happening. Like this is, I was pinching myself. It was so unreal mm. to see something. And of course, you know, you've shared how our family, we always, you know, had a lot to do with America and we, you know, had like a love towards America. We had American things. flags in our house. Right. <laughs> and by the way, you know, none of us are American. Like no one no. anywhere in our whole ancestry is American. Yet we had no. American flags, American cars. Yeah. Everything. And, and we had never even been to America. Any of us, <laughs> how, you know, how funny is that? <laughs> so anyway, so I saw this happen and I just said to all my friends, I said, look, you guys can go. I'm staying here. Like I was just shocked, you know. And so I literally sat there for like two days um, just high but seeing what was going on and I was just like I was shocked and I started for the very first time in my life, I felt like I had to start asking those big life questions that you get to when things get serious, you know. I mean like we'd never faced anything like this. To us at the time, to me, it seemed like, this was like World War Three, right? mm. And so I remember like over the next like couple of days just sitting there like I was still high as a kite and just watching it all and it was just like repeat, repeat the same thing. And then, of course, the second tower happened, the Pentagon and all those other things. And I was just like, this is some kind of Hollywood like Armageddon movie or something, you know? <laughs> That's exactly and, what I thought it was when I first saw it. I thought it was, a, it was a trailer for a movie. Yeah, it was like a War of the Worlds, but, you know, like for our time. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, I was just shocked. And then I actually... Like that was a one, that was like the catalyst for me to actually start asking those big life questions. So the questions I was asking is, what is, hap what's going to happen next? And, and then I started asking, you know, I've made this suicide pact with my buddy and what happens when I die? Like I never even considered what happens. You know, I mean, I, as you know, like I kind of, um, was sort of more in the new agey sort of realm, if anything, but not even very much into that. But I always kind of liked the idea of reincarnation. But because I was, you know, living a pretty bad life, like getting people onto drugs and supporting their habits, you know, I kind of thought if I die, I might come back as a frog, <laughs> you know, like something really like down the bottom of the chain because like I'm such a terrible person, you know. You're saying frogs are horrible. Oh, look, I love them. But, you know, I, I thought it'd be something that someone will step on as soon as I get born kind of thing. <laughs> and and I just, I don't know, I started asking questions and I, I started thinking, you know, like what what what's this next generation going to be like? Like what happens if um if I don't die and I have kids? Like what kind of a world am I bringing them into? Like I was just asking all these questions to myself, thinking about them, not saying them out loud to anyone because I guess it was the first time in my life I ever sort of even got to the point of asking those questions. And I think sometimes we have to get to those really bad points in our life where we question those big life questions. And this was my catalyst, you know, it was September 11. And then, you know, a couple of days later I obviously did go out and I actually had my third drug overdose. And it was so close. I was drowning in my own bodily fluids. 
I was lying. This is so ironic because you would know that there was a an actual old church, beautiful old church, um, in the valley, mm. and they converted it into um, a nightclub, and they called it the church. <laughs> yeah, as so in Brisbane, went, right? The valley in Brisbane. Yeah, yeah. So I went to the church <laughs> not to find God, <laughs> but to party and live it up. Wasn't purposely trying to overdose, but I accidentally overdosed, and I mixed too many things. And um, and I remember like overdosing. Out the front of that church, on the footpath, drowning in my own bodily fluids, people were stepping over me like I was trash. And I remember just looking up to the sky. And for some reason, even though it was a smoggy Brisbane sky, um, I just sort of looked up and I, I sort of saw through it and just I thought, if there is a God, like, I don't, I don't think I'm ready. Like, save me. Give me a second chance. And I didn't actually pray it like, you know, a prayer prayer, but I just thought that. Mm. And then... You know, I ended up waking up. I was like, I survived. I didn't die, you know, and it took a couple of days and I ended up like going back home. But um, when I survived that last drug overdose, I really should have died. Even all my friends are like, we thought we had lost you, you know. And um, and I remember I went to a, like, just to have some food. I probably hadn't eaten for a week. And I went to a food court and I was sitting down and I was just like, everything that I had gone through, like that, you know, really close death experience and then knowing that I've got a I've got a suicide patch in just like a week and a half I really was just like really considering like should I go ahead with it like what what you know what is happening now like with September 11 like what kind of a world is this maybe it's not worth hanging around for things are only getting worse you know I was really questioning and and trying to make decisions and I remember um, there was a lady who was a cleaner and I was, I was sitting there I must have looked a sorry sight because she came up to me and she said you know are you okay and to this day, I think it was an angel because I said, no, I'm not. And I just started crying. I was like just emotionally, you know, overwhelmed. Mm. And she said, you know what? You need Jesus. And I was like, what? Like the first time in my life that anyone had ever said that there's someone to help, you know, when things get so bad. So this is a and cleaner in a food court. Yeah. Seeing you I sitting there, like, walks up to right? you and says, are you all right? And you yeah. said, no, I'm not. And they say, yeah. you need Jesus. She did not know what I had been through, or maybe she did because maybe it was an angel taking human form. I'm not sure, but to this day, that was a God thing because that thing stood, it still stands out to me. And it was something that made me think, like, who, who is Jesus? Mm. <laughs> and, like, you know, the only experience I'd had with Jesus was I went to church once with one of my friends. I happened to be staying over her place, like, the day or two before Christmas. I think it was, like, Christmas Eve or something. And we went to church and, you know, had a little bit of wine, little piece of bread. And, like, that's my, you know, church experience. So, yeah, it was really, I was like, Jesus, really? Like, and I just started then thinking about him. But up until that point, I never even thought that Jesus was real or that he was someone that could help me with where I was at in my life, you know. You know, you're you're sitting there in a low point in your life. I mean, you've you've just had yeah. an overdose. You've been high for a couple of days. Um, you know, you've you've lost everything before this. Yeah. You've you've got a pending date um planned in the next couple of days, well like a couple of weeks, whatever it is. And it seems to me, looking back at it, I mean, it's easy, easy to analyze things when you look back, but when you're in it, yeah. it's very, very challenging. But looking back at it, it seems to me that even in all of that, God still cared. Amen. And God is he's, he's moving time and space to arrange for the right person at the right time yes. to be on the right shift, on the right floor of the right food court. You know, yeah. it, it's incredible. It's, it's, that, it's that supernatural that just speaks the fact that we're not alone. 
Absolutely. And, and you know, to me, I mean, even though, like, I don't know if this person was an angel or whether it was just a beautiful Christian who had a relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you know, spoke through this person. But either way, that was a massive catalyst to even, like, help me to realize that there was hope for me mm. at this very dark place and that that hope could be Jesus. It could be. But I had not known him before. You haven't and experimented so, yet. I hadn't experimented, but it started the, the process, the thought process of, you know what, maybe I should give him a go, you know, but, but yeah, the, the best was yet to come. <laughs> so God, in his mercy, when I was at my deepest, darkest, I mean, I was like the worst of the worst. And I'm responsible for getting a lot of people onto drugs and doing things in their life, you know, bad, poor choices. Um, but God, even in my weakness and, and where I was, he stooped very low, very low. To answer that prayer the, the night before or a couple of nights before when I just prayed, my heart's yearn, like I, I'm not ready, like give me a second chance and then direct me through this unknown person um, that he is the way. He's the way that can help me. He's that one that I didn't know about, but if I knew about him, then he could help me. It's incredible. It doesn't matter where you are now, whoever's listening right no. now, where it doesn't matter where you are, how, how evil you are or what evil you've done or how hurt you've been or abused you've been or misused you've been doesn't matter where you are there is someone that knows every detail of your story and is moving literally moving heaven and earth to connect with you and to invite you into this experiment of faith Candice we need to take a break now but when we come back we're going to jump right into the moment that it all becomes clear to you um, we've got a song coming up another song that you have written and you'll perform what's the song called? so this song is called Come To Me and um, this song is a song where Jesus is calling out to each one of us. You know, even if we don't know him, he's drawing us to him through different people, through life experiences, when things get tough and when things get bad. He will be there trying to reveal himself to you as the one that can set you free and he can help you to live that life that he always designed you to live. You don't have to be where you are now. He has something far better in store and all you have to do is go to him. Come to me I have open arms I am always here for you When your journey's dark and hard I can see beyond your pain I can see what's in your heart So if you're tired of struggling alone Just let me in your heart I can heal the broken hearted I can make the blind see I can turn you into that person you were always meant to be I can undo your arms I can set the captive free I can do all this and more, my child Just you wait and see
The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm your host, Robbie Bergen, and that was Come to Me by my sister, Candice, who is on this episode sharing her story. This is episode 41 of The Faith Experiment, which we're calling Candice's Story. And coming up is the code for today's great free giveaway, The Great Controversy. You absolutely want to get this book, so make sure your phone is handy. So, Candice, before the break, you've been through so much. You've lost so much. There's pain. There's hurt. You know, as as your brother, as the family, we we didn't know um, to the extent of what you were going through. And you know, you've you described you'd already made a a, a death pact with this this friend of yours, which was supposed to be in a, in a few days from this point where we left before the break. And you've been through an overdose. You're sitting there in that mall in a food court and some random cleaner comes up to you and tells you that you need Jesus. So what happens next? So from there, I actually went home. And as I walked in the door, I remember seeing mum and dad's fully stocked bar. You know, it used to have every kind of top shelf item you could possibly imagine. It was out the front of the cinema. And of course, dad used to have a big lit up sign that would advertise whatever the movie he was showing. So it would be, you know, now showing Batman Returns or whatever it was at the time. But as I walked in this time, I was startled to see that there was no alcohol left in the entire bar. We're talking thousands of dollars worth of alcohol. It was all gone. And then as I walked around the corner, I happened to see the big now sh- now showing sign and it said, Jesus is coming. <laughs> and I was absolutely shocked and repaired. I was like, I just heard about Jesus from these people, this lady, you know, at the food court. And then now what is this? What? Prepare Jesus is coming? Like I was absolutely shocked. So I went upstairs and I saw mum and dad there. And you know what? Something had changed in their life. In fact, they their actual appearance looked different. And I said to them, I said, what, what is happening here? Am I in some kind of alternate universe? And they said, you know, they said, no, Candice, you don't understand. We haven't seen you for a while, but we've had this amazing experience in our life. We've given our hearts to Jesus. <laughs> and I was shocked, right? I'm like, what, what are you talking about, right? Because, like, I couldn't believe it. And I said, what do you mean? Like, how can this happen? And I said, where's all the alcohol? Why Why have you said Jesus is coming, you know? And they said, because he is. And we have been praying for you, Candace. And we know that you're messed up. We don't know what you've been going through, but we felt really impressed to pray for you more than ever this last week. And I said, well, I'm really glad you did because, yeah, it's been it's been really rough. It's been bad. I didn't tell them right there and then, you know, that I just had my third drug overdose. Mm. Um, but they said to me, you know, they said, Candace, we found that thing that was missing in our lives. And, you know, mum had issues with alcohol. Dad had issues with drugs as well. And to see that they changed and that they had given up these things that they were addicted to, I was shocked. You know, it's like it's it, unless you see it happen in real life, like it doesn't seem like it could happen. And this was the thing that really made it seem real. And the the fact that I just heard that I needed Jesus, <laughs> and I started thinking about who is this Jesus, and how can he help me, and what can he do that I haven't already tried. And then seeing that this so called Jesus had somehow affected my mum and dad, like our parents, <laughs> mm. <laughs> to change them when we know they've had lifelong habits of issues, you know, that they had to overcome, and they can be changed in an instant to me 
me, it was just like it gave power. And I said to them, I just burst out in tears and I was, you know, at my weakest and at my lowest. And I said, well, how, how do I give this Jesus a go? Do you think he can help me? And they said, absolutely. You just have to give him his, your heart. And I said, well, how do I do that? And they're like, you just pray. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and so actually they said, we're going to pray for you, Candace. Okay. So. You know, I, I knelt down and it, with, with all my heart, I agreed with what they were saying. They said, you know, Candace has issues. She needs your help, Jesus. You have helped us. Please help her. Help her to find peace and help her to find joy again in her life and help her to overcome these, these habits that are just like pulling her down. And so, you know, I, I, you know, I thought, I'm going to give you a go. And in my heart, I, I sort of said, God, if you are real, then help me. Like help me change me so so that I can be a new person. I don't want to keep going the way I am because I'm not going to last much longer, you know. Mm. And um, you know, so I went to bed that night and and I woke up the next day and you think I'd wake up and I was like a crystal shining beautiful Christian and everything was perfect, right? <laughs> but no, <laughs> it's an experiment. And I also was a drug addict who had so much um, poison and so much acid in my body that it had to come out. And so I woke up the next morning. And I have, I had what I can only ex- like try and explain as having a Job-like experience. So for those of you who have heard of the story of Job where he ended up with boils all over his body and he had weeping sores, that's what happened to me. I literally woke up with these sores and weeping, oozing, um, like serous fluid and pus and all this yucky kind of stuff coming out of me. And I can only put it down to having one of the worst detox reactions that I've ever seen. Mm. And I've helped, I've helped a lot of people come off drugs since then, um, but I've never seen someone suffer what I had to. And, and now I look back and I can see why. So for the next two weeks, Robbie, I was so sick. I had the worst migraines. I could not do anything. I couldn't read my Bible. Apparently that's what you're supposed to do, but I couldn't do that. And so all I could do was just wallow in my agony and in my grief and just keep saying, you know, gee, Jesus, like help, like help me, you know, and um, it took about two weeks and then I started to be able to, you know, my migraine stopped and my boils cleared up and I started to be able to become lucid and think and, and use my reasoning powers. And then I remember looking at the calendar and saying, hey, what's the date, guys? And they told me, and you're not going to believe it, it was about four days after the day that I was supposed to suicide pact with my friend. Man, so you you were in sort of mandatory quarantine for <laughs> detoxing to yes. uh, to actually miss the date that you had scheduled with your mate. And I had to be so sick, otherwise I might have still gone in my weakness. I might have. And so God knew that it was what I needed. And plus I had a lot of poison to try and get out as well. But it was that really strong detox and that extended detox that saved my life. And I look back now and I'm so thankful that it was that bad because if it wasn't too bad, you know, I had, I had so many missed calls and I still had, you know, a couple of grams of speed and Coke and I had a couple of ecstasy tablets all in my wallet right there. And I could have easily just, you know, if, if I was feeling okay, I could have gone down for that big grave and who knows what could have happened. But praise God that you know, he uh, missed me through. It, it's 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 always amazing in these faith experiments as I, as I experienced myself, you know, I know yours and, parents and and various other friends and people that I know who have gone from nothing or no Christian background or any belief in God and to now becoming faith experimenters and it's always yeah. fascinating to me how God seems to have a pattern where he he removes things that are, he knows wouldn't be in our control to remove yeah. like I know in my story um I, I had some 
really toxic relationships and things that I wouldn't have, you know, disconnected from because mm-hmm. I'm sort I'm, I don't like conflict. Yeah. And yet God made them, made the other side of the other person in the relationships break off the relationships. And it's the same thing yeah. in your story. You know, if you didn't have this negative experience of the detox and being locked in a room for so many days. Yeah. You wouldn't maybe have had the strength. Well, actually, the reality is you wouldn't have had the strength to resist right. some of these these challenges. And so, God, in this experiment, He's He's actually helping you each and every step along the way. Yes, and without you know, you don't see it all at the time when you're in the thick of it. It is hard to sort of see it, but when you look back and when you trust God through those hard times, you can look back and you'll always look back and go, "Thank you, God, for what happened." Like I can see Your hand through it. I can see how You were You were guiding me. You're helping me. You're holding my hand. You're carrying me through. And, and I'm so thankful for what I went through. And it's totally been a life-changing experience, you know. Um, and when I share this story with others, they, they're shocked to believe that this can happen. But it, it's not impossible. In fact, Jesus says that all things are possible if we can just believe. Mm. And, um, you know, and I just, I'm so thankful that he gave me a second chance. He did answer that first of a sort of heartfelt prayer that I gave to him, you know, give me a second chance. And this is my second chance. I'm living my second chance. And it's it's an abundant life and it's so much better than I could have even thought or imagined. And who would have known that, um, you know, what, what I've been able to live and, and achieve and experience. If I had died that night, whether purposeful or accidentally, um, you know, I never would have lived this amazing, incredible life and I never would have been able to impact other people's lives in the way that, you know, I have been able to through God's grace. So, yeah, it's been incredible. So, Candice, we're, we're almost out of time for today's episode. For a person that's listening to you and they may be identifying with parts of your story, Maybe not the whole mm-hmm. picture, but parts of it. And they, they're going, well, if this whole thing can work for her yes. and people like her, what do I do? How do I get, how do I get into the faith experiment? What, what's mm-hmm. your advice to them? You know what? You just have to do what we all have to do. We have to come to that point where we realize, you know what? It's not working on my own. I need help. And the one who is there to help you, the one who will stoop so low, the one who knows every single challenge you've been through, he knows what you're going through right now and he knows how to get you through it and to get you to that point where you can start to live that purposeful life that he's always desired and designed you to have. A lot of us are living lives that are not what God would have us, you know, and we're suffering and we're going through things that just he would never wanted us to experience. But you need to get to that point where you realize that's it. I'm at that point. This is the catalyst. I need to do this. And all you have to do, it's the simplest thing, is just pray to God and just give him your heart. Just say, you know what? Things are not working. I need to give you a chance. Can you step in? Can you please take control? Can you please help me to start to live that life you want me to? Sort out all my problems. You know, he can do all of that and more than you can even think or imagine. But you just have to ask him. He says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and that door will be opened. He will never turn your way. His ear is always listening. And he, and not one prayer, not one sincere prayer will ever be lost. He will hear it and he will answer it. So just ask. Just give him your heart and wait and see what he will do for you. So to get into the faith experiment, to start this faith experiment or to go deeper in the experiment, you're saying for you, it was simply just ask. Ask, yes. not even knowing what that actually looks like, what no, the results you are going to be. No, you, you don't have to know anything. <laughs> you're, just, you're just being willing to be changed. Yeah, and willing to just try the one that you've probably never tried before, and that's giving God a go. Mm. Well, Candice, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to have you on The Faith Experiment. It's so good to finally sit down and to get some of this out there because I know people are asking me all the time, when's your sister going to do it? When's your sister? I made a promise, I episode about five 
that I'd have you on one day on the show and share your side of the story. So today it's finally happened. Now, wherever you are in your faith experiment, if you resonate with anything that Candace has shared in hers, I want you just to remember what she has said. You've just got to take that experiment of faith. You've just got to go, you know what? I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know what the outcome is going to be. I don't even know how how the next step is going to look like, what the next step is going to look like, but I'm going to experiment with this belief and I'm going to ask. That's all you got to do. If you'd like to get in touch with somebody local and maybe talk through some of the challenges that you're facing and get that more personal touch to your unique situation, you can text me on 0488-45311. That's 0488-45311. And I will do my absolute best to connect you with someone local that can help you take the next step in your faith experiment. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I have this great book to give away, The Great Controversy. Now, this is one of the greatest books ever written, other than the Bible. This book takes you all the way from back in history down to the present age and into the future and shows you what's really taking place behind the scenes. It helps pull back the curtain on the war between Christ and Satan, and it shows us our place in this great controversy. You will absolutely want to read this book. To get this free book, all you have to do is text the code word for today's episode. The code word is hash FE41. That's hash, the hash symbol or hashtag with FE, Faith Experiment, and episode 41, hash FE41. Text that to 0488-45311 and the Faith FM giveaway bot will reply to you asking for some details and we will get this book out to you as soon as possible. Well, that's all for now. I'll catch you next week at the same time right here on Faith FM for the next episode of The Faith Experiment. I'll see you then. You have been listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Connect with us via text message on 0488 453 That's 0488 453 Or send an email to robbie at faithfm.com.au and let us know what you thought of this episode.